welcome to the Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson, a nationally recognized expert in the analysis of complex life insurance structures. In the Acres of Diamonds podcast, Bob talks about the flip side of owning a life insurance policy that your client has outgrown or that has underperformed. We share insight and strategies to help advisors maximize the effectiveness and value of their clients' life insurance policies. Hello and welcome to Acres of Diamonds with Bob Larson from the Settlement Masters. Today we're going to be covering a topic, what has happened to make the policies for the 70, 80, and 90-year-olds fall apart. So good morning, Bob. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I am ready to go. Right on. All right. First, before we get too far into this, help me define what falling apart means. Well, I use the term falling apart because it really describes what's going on with the contracts that were issued back in the 80s and 90s. And those people today are in the late 70s, 80s and 90s. In that period of time, there was what's called a current assumption, uh, current mortality uh, product that was issued. That was the product of choice. What that was is a policy that was predicted, the premium was predicted based on current interest rates, what the, what the carrier was declaring in interest rates on the cash value, together with the uh, actual cost of mortality or the, or the death cost within the policy. If any of those things changed, it would change the period of time that the policy would cover the individual or it would change the premium to carry the contract to 100. Well, we had an anomaly that occurred in 2016. And the anomaly was the, not only did they lower the interest rates on the cash value, but they also increased the mortality expense, which in some cases tripled and quadrupled the premium that they were used to paying. I call that falling apart. Mm -hmm. People in their 80s and 90s cannot afford that kind of unpleasant surprise. Yeah, no kidding. So what caused that problem? Well, it goes back into time. Over the last decade, the insurance companies have been forced into investing in into uh, long-term and short-term uh, bonds. And as you know, the bond market has tanked and has been around 1%. And so they've been earning so little that their expenses have been eating up their reserves. And so it's a matter of the economics. Uh, they changed the the cost internally of a policy that was issued in the 80s or 90s because they could. And, you know, sometimes that impact is not a good indication that life insurance companies are there for the public. Mm -hmm. And there was 14 of them that did this, not all of them, but 14 of the carriers. And we can tell you who those are uh, as we go forward. And, and when, when this happens, when do people find out they actually have a problem with that policy? Well, that's a good question because unfortunately they don't find out until they get their annual premium. And when their annual premium statement comes in and it com comes in on the, on the anniversary of the policy and when it comes in and they open it up and they've been used to paying 20,000 a year and it goes to 110,000 a year, believe me, they're pushed back. They're shocked. Uh, they, they were completely unaware that this happened. Uh, there was no forewarning, and of course, most of them cannot afford to pay the premium, and so it's not good. So what, what does a client do when they find out their premiums have tripled? Well, that's the unfortunate part. Right now, 
the person that sees that typically, well, I'll give you a number, 143 billion uh, of face amount last year was dropped, meaning that they cashed it in or they just let it lapse and go out into nowhere land mm -hmm. and the policy is worthless. So they've either cashed it in for whatever little cash is there or they've let it run itself out based on the current expenses. They haven't talked to anybody. Uh, they've just, you know, said, you know, I don't know what happened, but I can't keep this policy. Mm -hmm. Many times they don't need it anymore because the, uh, the reason they bought it was for estate tax planning and that estate tax planning with the new credit of 11.4 per individual has covered most of their estates. That's for a married couple over mm -hmm. 23 million before they have any estate tax exposure. Although I have to warn people listening, that's going to change in 2025. In 2025, it goes back down to where it was when it was initiated. So I would warn people to be very, very sure that they're, do, they're doing the right thing by dropping the contract. And so, I mean, that, that's, that's one thought process that they could have is I just can't afford this. And so I just need to get rid of it. Uh, but that's probably not the best course of action. What should a senior do when they find out they have a damaged policy? What would their first step be, Bob? Well, the first step is get online, find a, a settlement broker that's got extensive experience in the issuing of life insurance that understands product understands what you can do to modify that increase in premium and fix the problem. And if you can't fix it, they should be able to go into the capital markets and, and bid, get the bidding going so that the highest value could be brought to the client. I mean, we've had clients that had $20,000 of cash value and ended up getting $300,000. Hmm. We've had clients that had zero cash value with a term and uh, a policy that had no cash value, ending up getting $950,000. It's all depending upon their age and their life expectancy, mm -hmm. which we do a study of. But it, it, it's amazing that two thirds of the people that are in this category can drive in this market a solution where they can keep the policy. And most of the brokers out there aren't interested in the client keeping the policy. They only get paid if they are going to sell the policy. Mm -hmm. Our belief is it's best practices. It's a fiduciary responsibility for an advisor to give the client a, a transparent 180 degree, 360 degree picture of all the things they can do to keep that policy uh, versus the economics of selling mm -hmm. it. And you've spoken before on this podcast in previous podcasts about a policy diagnostic that you guys do. What do you need to see when you have a policy diagnostic done? Well, a policy diagnostic is a detailed picture of all of the things the carrier will do to keep some or all of the life insurance. And then at the same time shows the estimated life expectancy studies that we found and approximately the bidding price of the contract. So it's an evaluation of keeping versus selling. What is the economics? What is the best thing for the family? Uh, and when you find that out, it's easy for the client to make a very uh, logical decision. So whether it's the client or the client's children or grandchildren that are helping them with this process, how can they tell if a firm has their best interest in mind once you make that phone call? 
Well, it's pretty simple to me. Uh, it's if the client, if the uh, broker is willing to do a complete diagnostic on their current insurance to determine if it's savable, if that's the correct word, and if it is savable, what does it look like mm-hmm. under all circumstances, all the things that a carrier will do to allow that client to keep it, and at the same time, find what the economic capital market value is in the institutional marketplace. And that's another thing. Uh, you know, most brokers don't explain to people who they're selling the contract to. And many people are kind of concerned about that. We not only redact everything that we do, it's put through uh, a very highly complex process of communicating information about the client. So it's encrypted and it's security-based. And we only sell to institutional funds, most of which keep the contracts for the life of the contract, most of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But our background in life insurance as a top IN producer has enabled us to be able to view what is the options that a client can take when they're in this position. Can they keep it? And if they can, we feel good about that. If they can't, we want to be able to drive the highest price in the marketplace with an institutional funder. And I know that this is a very, very quick podcast. I actually have one more question for you. We've talked a lot about what the client should do and what seniors should do and what the family members should do when they see this coming down the pipe, right? When they see that they have a damaged policy or they see that their premiums have tripled or doubled and it's just, it's out of reach. But I do want to ask a question on the advisor side. When an advisor is reviewing with their clients and they're seeing these things happen, what should an advisor do? Well, depending upon their level of expertise and education, and I say totally dependent because many of them don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. All they know is to take the contract, prepare it, and see what the value is in the secondary market. The client doesn't know that the policy could be saved, and that therein lies the problem. If the advisor doesn't have the skill set and the education uh, in how to keep that contract enforced at a premium that's affordable, they won't do it. Plus, there's no incentive for them to do it. Mm-hmm. Our incentive is, uh, you know, it's a it's a best practice. The Lloyd's of London believe in us, and that's why they insure us, because we do this kind of work. It's a highly complex diagnostic. It doesn't cost the client any more, and we're able to get the highest bids as a result, and we get families that are all in sync. So what should an advisor do? He should be skilled and trained in the issuing of life insurance so that he knows exactly what to do to ask the carrier, uh, how can this client keep the contract? Do we cut the benefit in half? Do we do all the things that we know how to do uh, in helping the client keep some or all of the policy? And, and that's important, Eric, because you know sometimes when we go into the market, the people need the life insurance and we get a buyer to buy it all but collaterally sign back half or more of the policy to the client's uh, irrevocable life insurance trust. When we do that, we got to compare what the carrier will give the client with no more pay, no more premium in order to make a, you know, a realistic comparison. So the advisor hopefully is educated. It ain't the, (laughs) it is not the case in, 90% 90% of the cases, mm-hmm. uh, if they're not educated, they're not going to come up with the ideas. So you need to find out if the broker is well-educated in the life insurance business. Have they been successful issuing life insurance? Have they 
Have they been issuing millions and millions of dollars of, of face amount and premium every year so that you can determine whether or not they are really skilled enough to be able to give a client the objective, objective information they need? So in your opinion, I don't want to speak for you, but in your opinion, an advisor needs to do this to be a good fiduciary. Is that about right? Absolutely. Okay. And that that certainly defines what a fiduciary is. Definitely. All right. Well, I know this was a short, sweet podcast. It had a lot of content. It, it answers a lot of questions and hopefully brings up a lot of questions in people's minds that are listening to this. And with those questions, they need to talk to somebody. So how do they reach out to you, Bob? They can, it's easy to do. We have a toll-free line, 877-927-7243. Uh, if you'll dial that number, you're going to get uh, our receptionist, and she will direct you either to Diana Kyle, our relationship director, and she will help you get all the information you need. If she's not available, Michelle Holman, who's for 14 years been doing all the processing on our settlements, and she will get you... Uh, in touch with me and or uh, Diana Kyle, uh, or you may get through to my assistant, Sherry Barrett, and she can, again, assist you. That's 877-927-7243, the Settlement Masters. And don't forget this, on the plains of hesitation, bleak the bones of countless millions that sat down to wait, and there they died. Don't sit down, advisor, and wait. Be proactive with this. Let all your 80s and 90s uh, your old uh, folks know that you have the cap- the capacity of doing this sophisticated diagnostic study through Settlement Masters. We will represent you. We will make sure that you are important. We'll give you a covenant not to compete. We'll give you ENO. We really take care of our clients and our advisors. So call us 877-927-7243. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Bob, so much. And thank you all for listening to the Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Bob comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Settlement Masters, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Acres of Diamonds podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Thank you.